The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Please visit pod617.com to learn about our podcast production services and view our full lineup of shows. What up, gangsters? My name is Inigo Montoya. Movies that you get Shawshank by. Come on, do it, kill me! I guess I just miss my friend. Shawshank. And on your 50th viewing, Shawshank. This movie has everything. Shawshank. Kiss masks, Lee Trevino, Shawshank. One on a black man named Chump. Shawshank. And it's Shawshank. Here we are. We are back right here on the Pod 617 Network. I'm your host, Uncle Buck. And uh, tonight we have a very special episode, but let's go ahead and uh, introduce our cast of characters here. To my left, Nick Stevens. If you're going to spew, spew into this. <laughs> oh, Wayne's World. Very nice. Maddie Blake. How come you never got married, Freddie? All the good ones were taken. Oh, nice! And, I wonder if uh, we're teasing some of our possible we, selections. We've tonight. been waiting. We've been waiting all summer long for this one, Georgie Kip. Well, in honor of Burt Reynolds, I just want to say, "Hey, we're three guys. We have a baby. It's three men and a baby." Uh, that, was that Tom Selleck? Was not. Oh, that shit. movie mustache, mustache. Yeah. Oh, you thought you were going to stick yeah. the landing? Mustache. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Hey, Buck, this is exciting. We got a baby. All right, yeah, okay. <laughs> Nobody also worked at a, a pasta house or a pizza parlor, for Christ's sake. Hey, we got a baby here. He, uh, I work on my hair. Nice clays, it. three men and a baby. <laughs> hey, uh, this is awesome because this basically is the uh, this is the start of season two. This is right. Season two of Shawshank. This is true. Uh, and if anyone's listening, I hope you're enjoying. Please tell your friends to subscribe. Uh, if you're within the sound of our voices geographically, uh, in just a couple of weeks, we're going to be having our first Shawshanked Live. Details to come at the end of the podcast. That's right. We're very excited about that. We've got a couple of things Classic. in the works. Uh, Shawshanked has really taken off, and we're getting very excited about it. Uh, but let's go ahead and introduce our topic for tonight. Uh, you know, guys, one of the things that we enjoy most about our favorite movies is a lot of the songs that come out of it, right? They turn into our playlist songs. We shazam them constantly when we mm-hmm. are sitting watching at 11 o'clock at night on TNT and something comes on. We go, oh, my God, I forgot this song. Um, so we decided tonight we're going to basically discuss what our top five favorite songs in movies that we love. Now, now let's just preface this by saying we're not talking about musical scores. This is not Empire Strikes Back theme mm-hmm. or any Raiders Lost Ark march and any of that stuff. It has to be a song that was a legit a radio song, you know, hit, radio cut, not, re- not anything re-edited or re-sung like in a musical, uh, and then it, it fits somewhere into one of our favorite movies. All right, we, we got the ground rules ready? Yes, sir. Yeah. Fine. All right. Let's go. So we're going to go ahead and start with uh, the first uh, participant tonight, Georgie Kip. Let's hear your five. Georgie. We talked into the night, the kind of talk that seemed important until you discover girls. My first song is Come Softly to Me by the Fleetwoods and Stand By Me. It's it's the campfire scene. It's four 12-year-old boys from Stand By Me discussing topics around the campfire that are and remain typical to 12-year-old boys. How is Goofy considered a dog when he rides a hat and drives a car? If you could only have one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? That's Easy Pez, cherry-flavored Pez. Yeah. And they discuss whether or not a game show was rigged because there was you know, no way a contestant knew that much about opera. And Rob Reiner beautifully shoots this around the campfire, and they put on the radio and the song, Come Softly to Me, it's such a quiet understated song it doesn't interrupt the dialogue 
it kind of enhances it. So rewatch that scene and listen to that that oldie song. It's a great song by the Fleetwoods. Nice. Uh, Come softly to me. Yeah. It's a beautiful song uh, from the fifties that just adds so much to the scene. And you know what? It's funny. And uh, going through my list too, it's not necessarily songs that I have like I listen to a lot, but I but they're classic old songs and they work so well because of the context of the movie. I think that's the criteria that we need to zero in on, or at least I did with mine. These aren't necessarily my favorite songs of all time. Right. They are songs that enhance the scene to the point where even when I think of them to this day, I get the goose chills. Absolutely. Absolutely. So is it the song that made the scene, or did (laughs) the scene make the song? I think it's a little bit of both, Nick Stevens. And I think you'll find it as as my choices, uh, as I reveal my choices, it's partly about the movie and then the song perfectly enhance it. Maybe it's partly the song that really made the scene. But I think mostly it's actually experiential because I think movies... No songs, even more than sports, we'll say, or, or great news events, can help you place a time and some people. Like, remember where you, when you first heard that song? Like, well, if right. you hear a great song in a movie, you can think where you were, what you were doing at that time, who you were dating, who you saw it with. That's that's just that's just they're great like markers. They're the great signposts for me. Yep, no doubt. Uh, George, how about your next pick? Uh, my next one is "People Are Strange" from by. Echo and the Bunnymen, it's a remake of a Doors song from The Lost Boys. Now, it's the second scene in the movie, The Lost Boys, where two brothers, Sam and Michael, and their mom are driving, moving into a new town. They see a sign that reads, Welcome to Santa Carla, and the older brother looks back at the sign, and it's written in spray paint, the murder capital of the world. Over the next minute, you get a sampling of the new environment the family is moving into with goths, punks, outcasts, the beach boardwalk tattoo parlors, and a splattering of missing children signs. It's underscored by Echo and the Bunnymen's cover of the Doors classic, People Are Strange. We know right from the start that these brothers are fish out of water in a clearly dangerous community, and it's a great character and location introduction. You know what's funny? I would not have you know, picked that in a million years, but I know exactly. As soon as you said you know, it, I was like, I know exactly what's in your talking It's right about. in the beginning of the movie. It's, yeah. It's, I, uh, I know the scene, but like, so what does, you know, I, I have very emotional connections to a lot of these songs. Some of the ones that I, I, I wanted to pick. I could. I actually didn't because they get me too worked up. Right. So what is your Work, emotional worked up in like an emotional way or like an? Like oh yeah, no. Fight uh, somebody uh, after we do that in the honorable mentions, I'll say why I resisted okay. a song or two just because it ma- they make me too sad. I see. Okay. The, the, uh, the first rated R movie. You have legitimate emotions. The, the, the first rated R movie I ever saw was Stand by Me. The second one, the real adult movie that I really radar movie that I ever saw was The Lost Boys. Okay, and you watching idolized this, the Corys too, and you and, wanted to and be I loved everything 80s, but watching this and hearing uh, hearing the song, People Are Strange, come up, and all these faces that I had never seen before, a goth and a punk, and, and it was live in front of me, and People Are Strange is playing, and I got it. I got it. I stand against this pick because it's a remake of a Doors song, which is yep. completely obscene. And uh, I actively seek people. Uh, I seek out fans of Echo the Bunnymen to punch them. <laughs> yep. Ah, fuck, Maddie. All right, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and list off two then. Okay. Uh, so, George, I, I, nice if, job, I, George. if I may say, those were I. I have known George for uh, almost thirty years now. We've seen a million movies together. We've watched a ton. Obviously, sports, the content we create together. I would never have guessed those two songs. Stand by me. Yes, I knew you liked the movie Lost Boys too, but. 
That's so funny. That's not something that jumps out. Yeah. These are right. wow, the nice. the little it's, it's weird it's, yeah. it's kind of fun to yeah. like well, find Nick, these little golden threads and connections. People are strange. All right. Oh uh, god. All right, my number 5. Oh god. I'm going to go with uh Hey Joe, Jimi Hendrix from Forrest Gump. <laughs> song for me is so intense because remember Forrest is now following Jenny around Washington DC they get into a Black Panther party where we meet Jenny's uh, you know boyfriend this completely dang militant militant yeah militant boyfriend and Forrest is standing there just being dressed down by one of the Black Panther party member you know guys as he's just ripping into him but Hey Joe is playing kind of over the scene and you see uh, her uh, boyfriend I think it's his name wasn't Wesley. That was from Princess Bride, but um, maybe it was. It, he, uh, but anyway, he's he, he's like they're arguing, and then she walks over, and the song just starts to build and build until finally he strikes her, and any noise in the background just goes and it's gone, and you see Forrest's face. It's just such a masterful piece of acting because Tom Hanks does the whole scene in space. Yes, he's watching yes, the argument. He's right. kind of collecting the information, and then when he sees what happens, he just turns into white hot rage. Goes over a table tackling this guy and lands three of the most fantastic consecutive punches you'll ever see outside of a Rocky movie. Wham, 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 and then you could just—I mean—you could just feel all his built-up tension that he's had, you know, with this relationship with this girl for so long. And somebody would dare hurt her, and it just—the the way the music is brought up into it—it's just brilliant. Sorry, I ruined your Black Panther party. <laughs> a lot of great music in this movie. Um, like Fortunate Son, I think, is yeah, playing in yep, the Vietnam yep. scene with the helicopter uh, movie. The movie sa- soundtrack is great. It's a great choice. Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, was going to say that's probably the, uh, one of the top five soundtracks of all time. Oh, yeah. Oh, no uh, the, the, double, the, it was a double disc. I remember it being yeah, huge that was a, when it came that out. Was a, that was a big one. How yeah. about Freebird solo when oh, she's yeah. thinking about jumping off the yeah. Uh, yeah, and she's on the guitar solo? Oh, slip, my yeah. God. Robin Redpen. So I'm going to go with my number four, which was... Uh, Come Together by the Beatles from the Bronx Tale. Uh, the scene, the motorcycle bar, uh, or the motorcycle riders pull up to the bar, the uh, the uh, Italian bar, and they, they go inside and they, uh, you know, they, immediately we realize there's going to be some trouble. Mm-hmm. So uh, what was the actor's name? Uh, Palminteri. Chaz Palminteri. Chaz also the author, yeah. Yep. He, he comes down, walks in front, and immediately walks inside, asks if there's any trouble. The, the bikers say, no, there's no trouble. And it just, it, as they're riding in, initially, you can kind of hear that clunk, You know, the, the initial kind of sound. So you know immediately it's a familiar song. You, we've all heard this before, but it's so cool. And there's just like a coolness over this entire scenario that the Italian mobsters play into this entire scenario that would otherwise stress out a lot of normal people. Like, we don't want to deal with these biker guys. And so they go in, the biker guys say, hey, man, we, know we just want a beer. We're not going to cause any problems. And they say, all right, well, set like a gentleman, give these guys their beers. And, of course, they immediately wise off and start spraying the beer all over the bartender. And, Chaz, you know, Chaz, uh, Sonny immediately realizes, uh, you know, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. Tells them that they have to leave. And when they tell him that, you know, just go fuck himself. He turns around, he closes the door, locks it, and says, now you can't leave. And the music just continues to play throughout it. And it's just so done because, again, it's this really cool song that leads up. And so it kind of, like, holds their tension as you're watching it, thinking this is going to be, you know, dynamite. And then it just hits with, like, a crash, and, and the music comes up, swells, and then here they here come all the other guys with the baseball bats out of the back, and they just beat the shit mm. out of the bikers. So, anyway, that was my number four pick. Great scene. Great pick. Uh, Nick Stevens, what, what are your five so, and four? A complete surprise. I haven't seen that movie in forever. That's one of my dad's favorite movies of all time. 
Uh, <clears throat> and again, I think we probably all make connections to parents and the people that we see these movies with. Uh, some of these on the list I definitely saw with my parents. Some I may have seen with you, George. Uh, this one right here. Okay, I'll go with this one as my number five. Uh it was written for the movie that it was in. Now, you may say, hold on, I feel like that's more soundtrack than song. But the song itself went to number one. I don't think any song is from 1976. I don't believe any song is more associated or more synonymous with a character in a movie and one of our favorite things about movies, especially movies from the 70s and the 80s, a trend that this almost in a lot of ways begat, they don't make them as often as they used to, or at least they don't make them the way they used to. The good old-fashioned montage. No, not just a montage, a training montage. And one of our favorite things is a bunch of guys. We love the training montage, and they began with... Rocky soundtrack composer Bill Conti's Gonna Fly Now. Yeah. Number five. Number five. Okay. I'm sorry. I mean, I just that's so, I mean, what what gets you more pumped up? What get what makes you feel more excited? What gets you more think about it. How many training montages from the Rocky movies that we love? How many different martial arts movies, action movies, getting ready for battle, going to war, strapping up everything. It all began basically with gonna fly now right. and even though i know us new england fans have a thing about philadelphia or at least this little temporary hangover malaise right now come on gonna fly now is an incredible song and that song i believe was the top of the charts it did it went to number one yeah yep and someone who looks like me just said that a minute ago oh well that was that's not considered notes. score right no that's not oh, no it's not because it's actual lyrics right, yes right right and uh it began there uh in an action film uh but was perfected and Karate Kid, and you're the best around it. Ah, yes. Maybe. I was even thinking about going with the song that was part of the score and that also had Meek Mill in it from Creed because they worked in variations of Bill Conti's Gonna Fly Now. Well, it just shows you how many... many, No uh, more sugar and caffeine. What? Why? How many Rocky movies were there? Eight Rocky movies? 56. And and each one of them has a variation of that Mm -hmm. song, some sort of remix of that song. Well, and they just kept upping and upping the the preparing for battle and the montages and the fight sequences, whatever. But to me, I mean, it's just perfect. What would that scene be like? What would that scene, that Rocky scene, all those movies? It doesn't work. I mean, hell, I thought about going with just like the James Bond theme. Well, if I remember, though, the... Because that's also charted and we covered a million different ways. And when you hear that, you get excited because, like, that means one of your favorite heroes... One of the great cinema characters of all time is coming out, but right. I didn't want to be that guy. All right, number four. All right, number four on the list. Whew, God, it just got harder and harder from here. Okay, I'm going to be an obnoxious douchebag. I went with a three-way tie. For the same... No, because it's all... Because I couldn't pick one from the Come same movie, on. damn it. Come on. for your honorable mentions. No, this, this movie deserves it. Oh, my God. All right, you guys tell if me which of these three. Does that mean you have two left? Nope. Hey, I'm making. You said let's make left. up the rules right, as we we'll go. Make, We're we'll in make charge. You pick one. We'll make you okay, pick you one. make me pick one. From the previously mentioned Blues Brothers, which yeah. I think is the goat of movie soundtracks. Didn't see it's, it. It's up there. Oh God, damn it! George, Jesus, George. Top 100 guy movies. You guys got mad at me. Oh, right. And said, Okay, my, the my scene where, was yep, uh-huh, yep, the scene where Star Lord comes in and rescues Joliet, Jake, and Elwood. <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic World. This is from Jurassic World oh, Extinction Kingdom. 
<laughs> what part did Corey Haim play in the Blues Brothers? Yeah. Echo in the stupid He's fucking man. dead, Maddie. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't pick Buck between She Caught the Katie, Ride of the Valkyries, which I mentioned earlier yeah, yeah. on the radio show, and Rawhide. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Here's, okay, those of all the great songs in of all the great songs in the Blues Brothers, "Ride of the Valkyries," the uh, incredible Wagner piece, is used so perfectly in the death of the Illinois Nazis after the Blues Brothers escape, and yeah. it's played for a minute and a half. It's an incredible comedic effect, and I think that's the funniest use of using a classical piece like "Ride of the Valkyries" or "O Fortuna," uh, Carmina Burana by Orff. Uh, all the great classical pieces used in, in a satirical capacity. She Caught the Katie. Might be the clubhouse leader for me just because, like, when, when Elwood comes to pick up Joliet Jake, it starts playing, and then when the horn kicks in, pow, meow, they just look at each other, and their backgrounds don't, are colored, and they set up the characters yeah. perfectly, and they don't say a damn word, and you get to see them, and uh, it, you're just like, you know this is going to be something special. And then Rawhide, because the scene is just so effing funny. Yeah. And that's and it's an old TV theme that they turn into a hit song right. again on the soundtrack. So you guys tell me. I say I say she cut the kitty. None of, was, none of the my... above. It's when John Lee Hooker is playing live. Uh, uh-huh, in the city uh-huh, street. Uh-huh, oh, uh-huh. my God. No, they're all great. I, yeah. You can take all three. I didn't know it from the same movie. Yeah, yeah. That, that's okay. allowed. All right. Well, I, I just I, it was imp- I, literally, I legitimately yeah. could not pick one. But that's my favorite soundtrack. And respect. I'd go She Caught the Katie 2 Buck if yeah. I had to. If Just I because had you're my... right. It sets the initial thing. Oh. You, the, the, the way the music hits in each beat. Yeah, it's fantastic. And a little respect for Aretha. Oh, you better think. Think is used uh, incredibly. Ch- how about Minnie the Moocher in that uh, song? Uh, I, I, one after another. Yeah, Sweet Home right. Chicago. That's great. George, what do we have to do? How did you miss? Wait, hold on. So you know what? It's, no, it's no, no. basically no. a musical. No, time out, Buck. Side podcast, George, right now. Quick. Yep. I want to know what other movies George hasn't seen. It just passed me by. Godfather. Godfather is Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers are the two big ones. There's a few more. No. Stop and it. No, I saw Jurassic World. <laughs> I saw Pitch Perfect. <laughs> if Thank Cups God. makes your list. <laughs> when I'm gone. When, when I'm gone. It's used beautifully in a Pitch Perfect one. George is so excited. Maddie, legitimately, I thought, my wife asked me earlier about different songs, and she's like, "She's like, doesn't George love that song?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's 100 percent Cups is going to be on his list from Pitch Perfect." He wants he wants us to use it one of our Pat's fan videos. Good lord, (laughs) are you in your cups? All right, uh, Maddie, five and four for you. Five and four for good old Maddie Blake. All right, number five is an obscure film ish, came out in 2002, Moonlight Mile. Uh, Brad Sieberling, I can never say his name. Sieb- How do you say it next? Sieberling. Sieberling was a director. The old Chrysler Sieberling. Yeah. If you remember, Sieberling. he was dating actress Rebecca Schaefer, and she was killed by an obsessed fan. So this movie was loosely based on his experience. Jake Gyllenhaal's in this. He's he's home, or he's at his, his dead girlfriend's uh, parents' house, staying with them right after she was killed. And this scene... Uh, you can hit it, David, as I talk about it. He has the scene that we all want. Every crappy screenplay I ever wrote had this scene, and that is 
your sad protagonist walks into a bar, shuts off the jukebox, and plays some awesome song that everyone mad, everyone's mad in the bar that you did it. By the way, interesting note, if you look this up, if you search it on YouTube, just look up Moonlight Mile Dance Scene. If you're a local person, you'll see a heavy and younger Lenny Clark at the bar. Oh. Turn and look at Jake Gyllenhaal when he changes the song. Uh, but it's just this really beautiful moment. I think Moonlight Mile by the Rolling Stones is the perfect song. They named the movie after it. Right. Um, it's their most underrated song by the Rolling Stones. And it's about a guy dealing with his grief, a young man dealing with his grief. And she just, Ellen Pompeo dances with Jay Gyllenhaal the song and just let this let this uh, scene play out for a second. It's such a beautiful song. Fantastic. All right. Uh, in your number four, I've please. never heard. I, can I? Well, at least there's going to be some discovery after this because, yes, sure, yeah. in addition to anyone else who's listening and writing it down, like now I've got some songs. Now, some scenes I need to watch again. YouTube's going to get a lot of play at home. Maddie, I don't. I've never seen this movie. Great I little know movie. Nothing about Underrated. it. Underrated. Dustin Hoffman, Susan Sarandon, Ellen Pompeo, Holly Hunter. I mean, this is a good little movie. It's it's a dark, sad movie, but it's uh, every time I think of that song in that scene, it's just perfect. Get the chills. It's a yep. perfect representation of what his heart was feeling in that moment. Being at the place where his girlfriend was killed. Right. And he just doesn't know how to deal with this grief, so he plays this song. No, good good pick. Good. I love it. I love it. Number four. Number four. Uh, I went with... <laughs> Nick's going to kill me. Um, I've brought it up before on this podcast, I believe. Vision Quest. Now, there were two choices I could have gone with. I How could, many podcasts are you going to try to work Vision Quest into? I could have gone with uh, Lunatic Fringe when he's alone in the gym right before the fight. He's rolling around doing his practice rolls. A great shot scene. But I went with Loudon Swain, makes it to the top of the pegboard, and all the people in the gym are telling him, you're never going to make it, Loudon. You're never going to make it. And John Waits, change, rises up. As Loudon climbs the pegboard and the jeering turns into cheering as he makes it to the top. Listen to this. We always wish for fame. We think we have the answers. Some things that Intense. I love it. I like it. That's, Isn't that that's great? intense. So the audience at home so far is like, hey, when are they going to name some songs I've seen? <laughs> Songs I've heard of. Yeah. Hey, how about some songs we've heard of? Uh, all right, so George, you got two more. Three and two from you, please. Three and two. Here we go. So many Rocky songs that could be chosen. Eye of the Tiger, Hearts on Fire. One of my favorite Rocky scenes is a non-montage scene. And Eye of the Tiger is used exactly when, do we all remember? I mean, we all immediately associate it with Rocky. Uh, opening I mean, what is it for, exactly what when, is it, when is it first used? It's three. And it's the juxtaposed right. montage of Rocky living the high life. And, and Clubber yeah, coming up from the streets, yeah. Clubber's just like hungry, uh, hungry, hungry. He's doing you know? pull-ups on his like, yeah. the archway in his uh, one-bedroom apartment. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. It's, right, the, right. Uh, it's the Muppet Show, a tiger, right. boom. It's right, yeah. yeah, that's right. 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 Yeah. Rocky's getting fat, high yeah. on the horse, and this, yeah, Clubber's this, knocking people out on the way up. This is not Eye of the Tiger. It's a non-training. Two worlds collide, rival nations. It's a primitive clash, venting years of frustration. And bravely we hope, against all hope, there's so much at stake. Teams are freezing us up against the ropes. Burning Heart, Survivor, Rocky Four. Rocky shows up in, at the Russian airport. 
Prepare, uh, they're preparing for the landing of Rocky and crew. Oh, so good. Just about to. The airport burst. is snowy, suspicious, and barren, save for a few soldiers in a car. And then Rocky, Duke, and Polly get off the plane in Russia amidst the blizzard and glance at their uncomfortable new environment with the Russian flag waving, menacing soldiers with snow covered beers, and absolutely no friendly faces. It's just throughout that. Small scene, there's little dialogue aside from a poly joke. This is Russia. Don't look so tough to me, Rock. <laughs> and Survivor just explains the stakes of the upcoming match in this ominous song. I'm the unsilent majority, big mouth. <laughs> and then we also get the great, horrible acting performance by Brigitte Nielsen. You think that you are so very, very good and that we are so very, very bad. Uh, great choice. The Rocky soundtracks are... I, I left it off, although you'll see in a minute. I do... F- Sneak some sly in here. Oh, fantastic! But um, because I couldn't choose, they're all so great. <laughs> they're all they're all summer timeless, summer not. The Rocky Four soundtrack is very ti- of its time. Yes, some of these songs don't date very well, hard. but they work so well in that movie. Yeah, I actually I like it because it's an obscure Rocky pick. It's not yeah. just the traditional. Yeah, right. So and what and, would, and, what and, I, and I had to, and I had to go gonna fly now because I feel like in a, like that's just there's nothing without like we don't right. have any of this without it. Not to mention right. the fact. As old as it is, it's still great. And that's your favorite. That's the one that gets you the most geeked up, too. Yes. That's awesome. All right, what's your number three? Well, this is kind of an obscure movie. came out a few years ago called 50-50. I'm not if you, sure if you guys saw it. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, okay? Yeah. Uh, I think he belongs in the conversation with DiCaprio, Bale, Gyllenhaal, Joaquin Phoenix, one of the best actually, actors agree with that, of our yeah. generation. Wow. Uh, I agree, yeah. For those who haven't seen the movie, it's a, it's a must-watch. It's about a 20-something guy finding out that he has a rare form of cancer, and the odds of survival With, are... Uh, what, what's the comedian's Seth name? Rogen. Seth Rogen, that's oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Odds of survival are 50-50. This particular scene shows Joseph Gordon-Levitt coming out of his first chemo session. And th- he gets in the dance scene with Zoe Deschanel, right? Nope. Not yet. That's Cups. Uh, no, get- it's 500 Days of Sun. <laughs> that's right. He get, he uh, he's leaving this first chemo session in slow motion, high off of marijuana macaroons that were offered to him. Uh, he's cracking himself up while it's he's being underscored by to love somebody by the Bee Gees. Uh, he's cracking himself up at uh, a, 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 a mural of a child's artwork saying families fighting cancer together. He's walking by a dead body and laughing, a grieving family. And uh, it's just really an amazing, likable performance by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's a rare movie that takes a horrific subject and throws humor at it. Also, uh, ends has a great use of Pearl Jam's Yellow Leadfeather in the final scene. Oh, very nice. uh, But watch 50-50. Watch that scene on YouTube. uh, Macaroons. uh, High on macaroons. Yeah, can't wait to get home and watch the uh, chemo scene. (laughs) (laughs) Brutal, brutal cancer. Yeah. Hey, uh, oh, that sounds great. Say, uh, when are you guys going to pick a song from a movie I've seen? <laughs> oh, it's coming. All right, I got okay. one for you here. No, I actually never saw that movie. Very was good. Was it good? It, it's, uh, he yeah. was nominated for a Golden Globe. He was, the movie was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best uh, Comedy. Mm-hmm. It, it's that really nobody a great saw? movie. Nice. Anna Kendrick's in it. Okay, now okay, I'll watch well, it. Now, okay, now, now I'll watch Now it. we know why George watched it. Yeah. Uh, all right, my number three. Uh, His Netflix is just all because of your obsession with Anna Kendrick. All <laughs> movies. My number three. You actually had to listen to a lot of the song to even get to this point. From Goodfellas, it's the Layla piano exit by yeah. Eric Clapton. There we go. Now, oh. now Layla is one of the great classic long ass songs, and then they tacked on this the piano exit, right? But it's used so beautifully by Martin Scorsese, just as its own piece. 
in this film that it actually got radio play as its own piece um, because it was such a hit. Goodfellas was such a monster in 1990. This is, of course, the scene where Jimmy, instead of paying off everyone who was involved in Lufthansa heist, decides to just whack them. So you end up seeing guys in their pink Cadillacs with their fur coats in the meat truck. Uh, all these guys that you know had, were involved in this, Jimmy just figured it'd be easier to whack them than pay them. Uh, and it's just done. It's the, again, Scorsese's di- masterful direction and the way the music swells at certain points as they're opening the the, the meat of uh, the freezer truck, yeah. and it just kind of hits at the, at the perfect time. Mm-hmm. Um, Everyone forgets the second half of that song too. But it's like it's cele- two different yeah, songs, yeah, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. But it's like a celebrated, dreamlike, um, romanticized vision of just a horrific person and a horrific acts. Well, the Eric Clapton renaissance really began with the use of Layla in Goodfellas because, you know, Clapton Unplugged was like 93 yep, yep. and then he kind of like had this whole complete, introduced him to a new generation. He became relevant again. Uh, that was awesome. What was the song that plays during that famous long tracking shot into the Copacabana? Was it? Yeah. Yeah. When, I he's think walking with, when he's walking in with Cat, why'd you do that, Karen? You know what I mean? Like that yeah, I, yeah. That was one I was it thinking rained. of, too, just because. Yeah, think oh, of that, that movie is just. Uh, How about uh, Sun, was great. Sunshine of My Love by Cream when, when oh, De Niro's oh, yeah. at the bar and he just pushes in on De Niro? What other actor would a director just go, all right, we're going to have literally 55 seconds of just this person's face reacting yeah, to something. Exactly. As you mentioned with, with uh, Tom, earlier with Tom, with Tom Hanks, Hanks scene, yeah. it's only those special guys you can do that with, and the music makes it so and much they, better. And they pull it off, yeah. Uh, my number two was uh, Moving in Stereo by The Cars, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Excellent. The pool scene with Phoebe Cates coming out oh, of the pool. Killed it. It's just Fuck. so iconic. Fuck. Uh, it's still maybe the greatest movie scene of all time. I mean, you, you, can, you can associate so much of your own yeah. awakening with yeah, that yeah. scene. Just the, yeah, the, it's perfect. The, the bass and just the way the... Uh, it, 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 it's Cameron, so perfectly done. Cameron Crowe is one of the best at utilizing a soundtrack. Cameron oh Crowe, Scorsese. Oh uh, but, he, but Cameron Crowe didn't direct that. That was the first script. He wrote yeah, it. That we yeah. wrote. Amy Heckerling directed it. Yeah, right. That was but, it. I, he, yeah. but in Crow's scripts, though, he writes in uh, song, like song ideas. Which, you're, which they teach you not to do. And that's really? one of the things, yes, they say definitely don't because what if you can't get the rights to it or what if it's too expensive? Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things that Tarantino always does because yeah. he writes to the emotion of the music. Uh, right. And I'm also shocked, by the way, that Tarantino... We're now 10 picks in, and nobody has Not picked a single, Tarantino. Yeah. Cameron Crowe will be in my uh, honorable mentions coming up. Oh, very nice. Uh, one thing I love about that, though, is not only just how great the music is, but it just ends with her you know, diving into the pool. The music stops. She gets up. she got with water in her ear. Go, yeah, go, starts to walk into the bathroom where Brad's Brad jerking off. And she opens the door and hits him in the back, and he goes, just a second. And then, she, then she's like, oh, my God, what did I just see? And she, like, puts her hand over her mouth because she's going to puke because this guy's so revolting. Right. And he walks out, and he just has, like, the classic, doesn't anybody fucking knock around here? <laughs> <laughs> Great line. All right. So let's go uh, to Nick's. Uh, classic year, uh, three, three and uh, two, please. All right. Pick number three. Uh, I teased this one earlier on a radio show today. Not that anyone heard that, but but I digress. <laughs> Great story. Um. This is a little. This was a surprise pick because I was thinking this was one that was sort of like gnawing at me and nagging, like, "What was that song? What was that scene? What was that movie?" And then it just came to me, and I remember the emotional response that I had to it. It wasn't because there was anything I was going through at the time. It wasn't because it spoke to me in a particular time and period of my life. I just thought, oh, maybe it was the right time, or maybe it was that time of the month for me. But 
the 2004 movie directed by Zach Braff, the surprise indie hit Garden State. Uh, uh, really? Not a fan wow. Of not a fan of Zach Braff. Yeah, not a fan yeah. of Zach Braff. Yeah. Well, in that movie, about two-thirds of the way through, there's a scene referred to as the infinite abyss. Uh-huh. And it's where all the frustrations of his life and the death he's dealing with and the loss and the, the road, weird road trip that he and Natalie Portman and uh, what is it? Um, Peter, uh, Stor- uh, Skarsgård. Uh, Peter Skarsgård, right, Skarsgård. are on. They walk out of this. They walk out of this guy's house. I forget exactly. Maybe it was his dad. Uh, and he sees that there's this giant abyss and this big canyon. And he st- he just as it's raining, he, st- he runs to the top of this crane and screams out loud just to get all the frustration out of his out of his life. And then they join him at the top of the crane. They're screaming and playing in the background is Simon and Garfunkel's "The Only Living Boy in New York." You know, the, you know, right, yep, 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 yep. And it just it hits note perfect, and it just sort of speaks to that feeling. And I don't know. Every time, I feel like that song. I mean, they design music now to specifically give you these, to give you these feelings, and e- have earworms hit at the right time. And I feel like that song. It's impossible, no matter what time of day or what mood you're in. It's impossible to listen to that song and not just get a little emotional. Right. It's just such a freaking great song, and it worked perfectly there. I think that's. An example of a song, a soundtrack making the movie better. It may not even be. If I rewatch it now, I might say, "What the hell was I thinking?" Liking this movie, right? I just got caught up in the Sundance hype. Well, is like there, middle is Little Miss yeah. Sunshine even that funny? Still, no. But it's but it, that it's begs adorable. the question: Do any of these songs actually? Does the movie make the song necessarily? It, it's always the song making the movie like that much right. better, right? I, I feel like that. Yeah, the, I feel the, like it's the song that. Because if you take out like Moonlight Mile from my earlier pick. That's an obscure little indie film that nobody's ever seen. If they had played just a score soundtrack there or something, I never would have remembered that ever. Right. But because that song is so haunting, that scene stays with me forever. And maybe that's why I I I still like Garden State because I remember this scene and I just think like I remember like yeah no my you know then girlfriend now wife sitting there and just like no you're crying and you're you're crying fuck yeah. And giving you an F on your uh, sex Slaying it. And I hate everybody. <laughs> All right, how about your number two, Okay, Nick? number two. This is one when we started creating our master list and whittling it down to five per. I thought, why bother picking it? Why bother picking this one? Because I know this is number one on George Kippenhan's list. Yeah, and I completely forgot about it. I can't. Wow. Yeah, because you know. I know. So what you it know is. what you did. You know what you did. I do. I did. I picked probably the greatest comedic moment in nineteen ninety in the early nineties. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like this. Speaking, and I know. I, I and we didn't talk about what he's picking right no. now. No. Okay. Yeah, but this is this is your this is the three decade shorthand you're supposed to have with a friend when you work at a movie theater together and you see each other five days a week at high school and then on the weekends and you watch movies and and you, and you reference them all the time. One of the most underrated comedies ever. One of the most quotable movies ever. And ev- probably the number one single, I, I think, not My Best Friend's Wedding, not uh, My Sharona from Reality Bites. I think the number one sing-along song in movies, period. It's John Spicer voice, period. Bohemian Rhapsody in Wayne's World. I see a little silhouette of a man. Scaramouche, will you do the bandang? Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so good. It's just like that's 
If you don't, I mean, I don't even know why. Why would I even say if you don't like that scene, then kick rocks. Come on. This is how ridiculous that song is. That it charted, it charted that. in the seventies and then charted again in yeah. nineteen ninety-two. Speaking of a song being used so perfectly and then starting a renaissance, introducing a generation again to it. And didn't Mike Myers say, "I'm not making the movie unless we get unless we do this"? The movie was almost not made because of it. Right. right. He, he doubled down with the producers and said, "I'm, I'm." Then, then the movie doesn't get made or the scene is out. Right. If we don't have it be that song, it does not work. We're not to, doing a scene. We're not to doing the a group. point that we were just making earlier. That if the song is right, it will make it an all-time scene. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it what is. it is. That's an all-time all scene. Mamma mia, mamma mia, mamma mia, let me go. You, said, like, you see a clip of that every year at the Oscars, and you always get the feels, and you think about singing along, and you're like, ah, oh, damn it, that is a great song. I don't care how many times I hear it. And every time you hear it, what do you do? You bang your head. For your wife in the theater. Honorable mention to songs in that movie to, uh, of course, Ballroom Blitz, but... As stairway as well, stairway which was used in the original, and then by the time they went to video, the rights were too expensive, and they hadn't secured it for the lick, yeah. so they had to actually change it. So it, when he says stair, oh no, no stairway stair denied. Yeah, yeah. It's no wow, notes bam, that even yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I can't yeah. tell you how many times Nick and I watched that scene. Just walk, walk in the back of the theater. That's what we did. We worked in the movie theater. We watched the movies in the back. That's why we have all the stupid knowledge of all yeah. these. Obscure I feel, I feel like our three decade long pop culture wormhole began together with that. It may have. It may Thank have. Thank God I curated that That's for the two funny. of us. Uh, though he never specified which song, but people believe it was Welcome to the Jungle, Myers became furious when the studio insisted upon a Guns N' Roses song for that scene and said he will walk off the set. He had nothing against Gene Arbus, said it wasn't that song. It needed to be Bohemian Rhapsody. And he was right. And he was right. He was right. Thank God he drew that line in the sand. All right, Maddie. Three and two for you, please. All right. Uh, oh, my God. I love this scene. I love this movie. And you know it's been well detailed. If you listen to Shawshank, I love this actor. Here is Freddie going to report to a uh, scene of domestic violence. With the love of his life, who got away, Liz Randone, showing up at her house, and she sends him away, and he plays Springsteen all alone. Hit it, David. Oh, now, God, now he's laying on his couch, and he goes into a dream, a, a memory of how he became deaf to a song by Bruce Springsteen that is so atmospheric, so beautiful for this scene. You know, this girl that he never could have that this douchebag cop got and abuses her and Freddie can't do anything about it. When I lost you, honey, sometimes I feel I lost my guts too. I mean, yeah. that's the opening lyrics of the song. This song is, Wait, is so it, great. Is this, this is, is this, Copland. Oh, I thought yeah. it was Turner and Hooch. Yeah, I wish <laughs> I you, <laughs> you, you hadn't name-checked the movie yet, so... Yeah. Yeah. I just oh, listen to this. I mean, it's just so beautiful, yeah. and I love Copland, and I love this. That's scene. actually a really uh, perfectly acted scene, and uh, some of Stallone's best, really. Oh, definitely. And he plays the record. It's just, and, and it's Springsteen. It's Jersey. It, it just it, when when they when I saw this movie for the first time in the theater, I'm I'm. It was one of those rare instances when you're kind of like in the first. 40 minutes in the movie, you're like, are they reading my diary? Like, was this movie literally specifically made for me? I love this movie so much. I couldn't love this movie anymore. And all of a sudden, he plays the turntable at Springsteen. You're like, oh, my God. 
I love this movie. I'd put it. I'd. I would gladly put this on top ten movies that I know have been on TNT recently that I'm pissed I missed and I need to watch again. Oh God, and I it was directed this. by uh, the great. And I'll even say the great now at this point because I think he's on such a hot streak. Everything he's done has been terrific. James Mangold, Mangold yeah. and uh, Mangold, yeah. of course, is George's uh, porn name. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> no, but he does. Like he did. He did. Uh, the Logan movie recently, okay. and one of the most underrated westerns. I would fight it out as to which one is more underrated: uh, Open Range or Three Ten to Yuma. Young Guns Two. Oh, Did you ever see Three Ten to Yuma, Buck? I have. I have a DVD. Fantastic yeah. movie. Yeah, it is a good movie. Yeah, Christian yeah. Christian Cop- Bale and uh, yep. yeah. and Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Copland. Yeah, and Ben Foster too. Copland is a great movie. Copland is a Copland is a it's a it's almost like a play and it's it is like a play you're exactly right and it and it's um the ambiguous ending 95 minutes long it's uh, my my only my only problem is Copland and I and I enjoyed it the first time in the theater I have I had it on VHS for years and that's as far as it ever got for me uh but is is the some of the casting choices were really Michael Rappaport I mean come on they couldn't have had anybody else be in there but Michael Rappaport and annoying and I think he should have been he was he was squirrely but like that character had to be squirrely but it took me out of it I went oh it's Michael Rappaport and and then who is it um uh, De Niro Robert Patrick Annabella Sciorra but Stallone's partner is Janine Garofalo and I'm sitting there watching and I'm like Janine Garofalo yeah it was literally like they're like ah who's left over from the singles uh you know soundtrack uh cast well yeah say what you want about the film itself but that scene that mute, the song in that scene right. is so perfect, and the and the acting performance by uh, Sly and uh, Annabella in that scene, where she can't talk, he's at the door when the strains of the song start playing, and then it's a crossfade to him. You see him starting the record, even though the song's already playing. You see the desperation. It's a great, it's a great and subtle domestic violence uh, portrayal because she wants. Ready to help her and rescue her in a way, right. but she knows she can't, and, and he, he knows he and can't. he feels like he can't. He's and he not says worthy something of doing to it her way. like, uh, "If you just say the word, I'll take you out of here." You know, and she's like, "Go home, Freddie." You know, and it's just like, "Oh, yeah, so heartbreaking." And then Springsteen's—it's just perfect. You pick anything by Springsteen. Sly and Springsteen in the one-shot deal. I know that's that—that oh. that is your dream. All right, guys, let's do our top pick. Maddie's gonna. Oh do no, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, Maddie. Yeah. Uh, and then my number two. Two. Um. You guys are going to rag me when you hear the title. No way. Uh, it's from Pretty in Pink, but it's the uh, record store scene. John Cryer, John Cryer oh, Ducky, yeah. comes sliding into frame to try a little tenderness by Otis Redding and does the pantomime dance to that song. When I saw this movie, I wasn't really aware of Otis Redding as a young buck. And um, this scene, <laughs> this scene um, made me kind of deep dive into who Otis Redding was. I'm like, what is that song? Oh my God, it's awesome. And I just love the magic of that time. It's just a great little scene and what an incredible performance. You talk about actors who couldn't pull things off, like letting De Niro just have his face. Letting Tom Hanks just have a facial reaction. Okay, we're going to do a scene where um, one of the lead characters comes in and just like pantomimes a dance for three minutes. Right. No dialogue. Go be funny. And he freaking nails it. I'm sure it wasn't. Who knows it was even in the script. But it's just so good. And uh, I love the song. Pretty in Pink is a great movie. I mean, it's it's no time cop. <laughs> that role was written for uh, Anthony Michael Hall. So, but, you shut your mouth. No, yeah. Cryer, makes, makes complete sense. Cryer crushed that, though. He was that so good. Scene? It yeah. makes me... This Fun. Scene makes me... 
no matter how many times I see it, it just makes me happy. Well, wasn't that the, like the antithesis of the '80s uh, teen comedy movie? Because doesn't he isn't Ducky the, the hero, but he doesn't end up with the Molly Ringwald at the end? Yeah, correct, but he ends up with this obnoxiously hot girl that he could never score right yeah. at the end of the project. Yeah, they try, they try to John, shove that down. Of course, John throat. Hughes throws him a bone. Right? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Here we go, George. Suck us off. I mean, start us <laughs> off. Start us <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, this was. Uh, uh, kind of a hard choice because I, I, you know, songs. How can you say this is the best song ever used in the movie? Uh, but <laughs> we're you gonna... the poet laureate of our nation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, okay. White Rabbit, Jefferson Airplane, in Platoon. Oh, After nice the first few weeks of exclusion from his fellow soldiers on this tour of Vietnam, Chris Taylor, Charlie Sheen, Private First Class, is welcomed into the underworld of his platoon led by Sergeant Elias, played Willem Dafoe in his best role, I think. Uh, Grace Slick's haunting vocals of White Rabbit play in the background, and the audience gets a tour of the drug den and the soldiers that seek solace there. Elias himself utilizing a gun to shotgun weed smoke into... Uh, Charlie Sheen's lungs. Oliver Stone counters this a few moments later with all of the soldiers now fucking fried out of their skulls, singing along to Smokey Robinson's track of my, Tracks of My Tears. So you go from White Rabbit to Tracks of My Tears. We literally take the trip with Chris Taylor from the darkest of the dark to the highest of the highs, and it's just beautifully shot, and it's unreal. This is the song from Platoon. David, you don't have to get it. I got this one, but... Whenever I hear this song, the Adagio for Strings, old classical yeah, piece, yeah. every like it makes me so sad. And then they use it a number of times in the movie, and it's used to such incredible effect. And and to think like that, I like I just played it, and you guys just all everyone has a glazed look in the studio, just like fuck, like there was so much unnecessary loss in that and in, in that in that war, and that movie is just such such an incredible gut punch. It is still as good yeah. as it was the first time you and, that and, you saw it. But that you went for something else beyond that. That's a, a surprising deep pull. White Rabbit is is I think defined that that Vietnam War psychedelic, psychedelic yeah. it, and Grace Slick is is her vocals are unreal. The song sounds dangerous. It does, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and, yeah. and that war was dangerous and scary, and you never knew. It's what a these surprisingly guys good soundtrack. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. And meanwhile, you're getting the tour of what these guys do when they're not fighting the war and they're just right. smoking pot and opiates and right. going nuts. It's well, amazing. George, when we were in the shit, we had to uh, <laughs> do whatever, whatever it took. Whatever it took. Uh, George, we'll come back to you for some honorable mentions in sure. a minute. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and list my number one. Uh, I kind of cheated a little bit th- on this one, too. No cheating. I-, I took a scene that has actually three songs in it, yeah. but each one of them, because of the fact that, it is so uh, perfectly done with a guy trying to basically. It's a drug deal from. It's a drug deal scene from Boogie Nights, and he's showing off his new uh, track uh, recording system. It's the reason why I still keep a small boy that throws firecrackers around the house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but it's so the first song is Sister Christian. It's intense. He, he kind of stops them, and he goes, oh, just wait for this part, just wait for this part, and he, he starts drumming along with it, and then something happens, and the music just stops. 
because his, his, his uh, cassette player, uh, they, you know, right. it, it flipped. Remember back in the day when you would make a mixtape yeah. and the cassette tape player would run out halfway through the last song on your on one side. So then it stops, and then it because of his, his system, it goes back on side B, and you suddenly hear Jesse's Girl, the Rick Springfield song. Oh, yeah. And now this song has yeah. is become the intense song, and it's a great scene where it's a close-up of Mark Wahlberg's face as he's contemplating how we're going to pull this off and what's going to happen, and then he almost kind of he almost seems like he's kind of loses, yeah, well, he loses it just for a second, and then he kind of just brings it all, it just comes zooming right back in, and they go, all right, well, we got to go, and then. Every, the shit just starts hitting the fan. The the the, uh, the big black guy with the with the gun starts firing away. They they dig uh, you know machine guns out of the closet, out of the bathroom. People are getting shot, and then we go into Jethro tells Fat Man as uh, as they yeah. run out to the car. That as soon as they get out of the house, it's that intense but but also really enjoyable Jethro Tull riffs as they you know the cars getting shot from behind and they're kind of you know he's escaping down the road. Uh, but the th- way the three of them were, were done is that uh, Paul uh, West Paul Anderson or Paul West Anderson or Wes Anderson, the director Paul Thomas Anderson. That's right. Paul Thomas Anderson. The way he uh, combines music, not only in that entire film but in that scene, is brilliant. Yeah, excellent. That a Boogie Nights, a soundtrack so good. It's got two parts, and both albums are incredibly listened to, listenable. Um, you sexy thing by Hot 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 Chocolate. Um, Night and Steel. Yeah. Three yeah. years too. Seventies and Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite song on that soundtrack. I mean, that scene, that whole scene, stitching together those three songs is unbelievable. My favorite song is Machine Gun by the Commodores. <laughs> Which is the music? It's the instrumental by the Commodores. They play when they have the. Uh, Dirk and Chess dancing together, the montage of oh, yeah, the high yeah, times yeah. and the big life they're leading. Yeah, yeah. Just which I just thought was like perfect. So, yeah. So yeah, well I'm a sucker done. for montages. That's great stuff. Uh, all right. So Nick, you're number one. I'm not even gonna. There's not. There's nothing. There's no reason to say anything else about it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, come on. The, the strut scene. Yeah. Hard to be. Or is it the scene from Airplane? Yeah. The, ah! <laughs> Now, the airplane scene, wasn't it sped up slightly? Isn't it a little faster in an airplane? If you listen to it, I think it's slightly. It's almost like a... Probably. Yeah. And now, for me, the connections I have to this are t- are too much. Air- yeah. Seeing airplane, obviously, yeah. Uh, I remember seeing Saturday Night Fever at the drive-in in Braintree growing up with the family. This was the first album I remember listening to. My old man used to come home take little three, four-year-old me and we would dance and listen to the whole soundtrack all night. Uh, you know, my we, we all love the Bee Gees. The Bee Gees, you know, Barry Gibbs a genius. Love the Bee Gees so much that in and this soundtrack that uh, like at my wedding, we played uh, More Than a Woman by the Tavares was the song my mom and I danced to. Uh, so just deep, long connections to it. But like when I think of a song used in a movie from a great soundtrack, this is always the first one that comes up, and it always will be. That's awesome. I mean, that's, come on. Yeah. Walking down the street, sure, getting yeah. the two slices, eating them together. Yeah. How many times has this been paired? The editing from the, going from the shoes yep. to the back of his head to the, Perfect. You know. yeah. It's perfect, yeah. All right, good number one. Maddie, what do you got? Finish this off. My number one comes from who I believe as a director uses music the best of any of them. Most intelligently and uh, most creatively, you just mentioned him, and it's this scene right here. Oh, classic. 
quick one while he's away yeah. from Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Max Fisher and Herman Bloom's fight. Reaches its, oh, yeah. yeah. Reaches its epic uh, conclusion. It's crescendo. And yeah, he, yeah and, he, and he fills his room full of bees. And you see the look in Herman Bloom's face of horror. And then it slowly morphs into It's almost like this is going to be more interesting than I would have yeah, thought. Like, yeah, here I we go. this kid well. Yeah. This guy, all right, it's on. And then this grown man millionaire literally <laughs> ruins the kid's bike. And then the kid, Max Fisher, cuts his brake cuts lines. Brakes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just absurdist. But it's also got so much heart in a way. Yeah. And, and the song is incredible. I mean, I'm a big It's a youthful guy. rivalry with an old man and a kid. And it's just, it's just, it's so artful, too, like Wes Anderson is. Yeah. And it's just the, the definition of cool, like when Max comes out of the, right after that B scene, the, the dangs, and the elevator doors open, and Max is Sticks walking. Sticks his gum to the thing yes, and he's walking. like walking in, in slow-mo. And then they have a makeup scene in, in, in an elevator later where, where, where Herman's broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Oh God, I just love this. But, um, but and then the way the car slowly rolls up to the kid, yeah. it just stops. Yeah, the brake cuts. And, and, and then and then, they, then, then they, it, it cuts to uh, Bloom giving the description of Max Fisher, and oval face, and and then uh, yeah, and, and then the yeah. next thing, and then it cuts to Max being dragged out of school by yes, security. Yes, yeah. and, and there's and there's a there's a scatteredness to the song. Yeah. You know this this wild. It's a, It's like a ten minute song. Yeah, it is, and yeah. it was it was recorded live by the Who, and they 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 didn't have the the string parts. So they literally say cello, 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 yeah, yeah. cello, cello, where they wanted the strings to be. It's oh, just it's, so it's a fantastic. mess, yeah, yeah. but it's an awesome mess, and so is this relationship, and so are these scenes. It just it's a chaotic, beautiful mess, and I love it. I like yeah. Wes Anderson's use of music more than I like Wes Anderson movies. Well, there's that. I feel like Wes. An- I feel like. The music is oh, the music thanks. is great. Even if I don't like the scene, or if I wasn't particularly a fan of that that song right. before before I got into it, so yeah, brilliantly. So I know brilliant. you love Wes Anderson. It, he uses it uh, better than anyone, I think. Yeah, that wow, is a great wild. song. Great pick, Maddie. All right, thanks, buddy. Let, yeah, let's do our honorable do mentions because I think George has to pee. Uh, <laughs> George, what do you got? Nick, one of my favorite all times mm-hmm. uh, all time sequences is Julius crossing the street to visit Gary Bertier and remember the Titans underscored right. by Peace Train by Cat Stevens. Oh, excellent. Wow. I love, nice pick, nice I love that. Wow, uh, George. True Colors uh, from the movie Trolls. Uh, there's going to be some kid songs on here because they're so sad. Uh, that's uh, Anna Kendrick, Justin Timberlake's version. When She Loved Me from Toy Story 2 by Sarah McLaughlin. When somebody loved me about the girl who loses her doll. Yep. Oh, that's a, now a that, heart-wrenching Now scene. that one, that, that if, you di- if you didn't well up, if the waterworks <laughs> weren't turned on when you saw that, you've got no heart. Pussies. Well, uh, similar to Maddie's Pretty in <laughs> Pink. All right, whatever. Whatever, Puss Anderson. <laughs> S- sim- similar to Maddie's Pretty in Pink, Walking on Sunshine, Jack Black singing that in High Fidelity. Uh, anything in the commitments Great. and... Uh, True by uh, at the end of the wedding singer Steve Buscemi singing True by Spando Ballet nice, is very funny. Nice. Wedding singer is great movie. Yes, it is. Yes, great it music is. in that. There is nice. All right, uh, I'm going to just throw a few at you here. One, the first one, Georgia like uh, the only superhero movie that I put on here. Guardians of the Galaxy starts with "Come and Get Your Love" by Redbone, Ooh, and, and the such and, a great and, song. and the way it kind of takes uh, it immediately makes you realize that this is going to be super fun. Yep, and the way he's kind of dancing to it, he grabs a rat at one point and starts using a microphone. Um, how about uh, the Righteous Brothers? You've lost that love and feeling from Top Gun. Uh, yeah, yeah, 
the best. So what's great about second that is, best karaoke, second best sing along. Yeah. Right, but what what's even more effective though, I think, is the credit scene with that same song because it hits all the characters and you realize, yeah. wow, this was such a great movie. What a great cast! Like I was that guy. I love Jester. Oh, Ghost. Uh, how I mean, about from Back to, the, Back to the Future, Power of Love by Huey Lewis um, as he's riding the skateboard and um, he just says goodbye to shit, his girlfriend. Shit, I'm late she for shit, Ma, I'm late for school. Uh, then there's uh, one of my favorites, Wonderful World, also known as Don't Know Much About History by Sam Cooke and oh, Animal yeah. House. Oh, yeah. My oh, parents, uh, that was my parents' uh, song. The scene where Belushi... They fucked it, you. There's no, yeah, there's no... He has no lines. <laughs> the entire scene is him walking down the cafeteria. And you kind of feel sorry for him because he's all by himself, and, and that song is so but he's beautiful. But like, he's, like, hitting on girls yeah. while he's doing it, and then he's eating a whole hamburger yeah. at once, That's and then, and then he's, so like, shoving, he's shoving shit in his pockets. And then like, food fight breaks out, like, two, three minutes later, He right? takes a jelly. And he's yeah. like, oh, that's I mean, it's hilarious. so classically done to this terrific uh, that's Sam Cook song. Great pick. Um, how about looking out my back door? Creedence Clearwater uh, revival from Big Lebowski. This is the scene where he's going to get the physical, and he's listening to like Creedence on his headset. And the doctor just goes, lower your shorts, please. He's like, no, she hit me right here. And he just goes, just that's I understand, sir. Lower your shorts. And then he's just like, what? And the next scene is him in the car pounding the roof to Creedence Clearwater as you know, the blue. as a guy who just got relief. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then, which is oh, I just love that scene. Uh, but also, Credence uh, was used in uh, Apocalypse Now. The uh, Susie Q um, song plays during the uh, when the Playboy bunnies arrive via helicopter. Right. Yeah, those war movies have killer sounds. They really man. do. Yeah, they really do. And just just the way all that hits all the beats as well with the girls and then the whole madness of the scene. Uh, but my last one was from the Breakfast Club. Don't you forget about me. Uh, right. You know, mm-hmm. another, another classic that that is used several times throughout the film, including the ending where he, you know Judd Hirsch walks out with the. Uh, That's a great one. Yeah, great pick. Yeah. So those are my. Uh, before we do uh, Shawshank, what uh, what other honorable uh, mentions from Back do we to have? the Future? I'll go with Johnny Be Good. All right, this is uh, this is an oldie, but uh, well, it, it's an oldie where I come from. All right, guys, uh, listen, this is the Blues Riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay? Nice. That scene's scene's amazing. Uh, And uh, who actually sang it? We don't know. It wasn't Michael J. Fox. It was someone else who sang it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. some random random session musician. Uh, Okay, uh, I'm going to go with, ready for this? Diana Ross and Lionel Richie, "Endless Love" from Happy Gilmore. <laughs> yeah. Good one, good one. It's one of the be- one of the one of the best laughs, and the guys just <laughs> the guy in the Zamboni is sitting there singing it. Such a belly the laugh every time. Uh, I'll be the first one to pick something from a Tarantino movie. I cannot believe that only made it to the yeah, honorable right. mentions. But even though you guys know I don't like the movie Pulp Fiction that much, um, "Say La Vie, Say the Old Folks," it goes to show you never can tell. Yeah. I mean, like, wh- I mean, again, good. how about "Son of a Preacher Man"? In sure. There? God, I mean, the ter- Pulp Fi- I don't think Pulp yeah. Fiction is half the movie that the soundtrack is. I know that's a hot take, but that's one yeah. I'm willing to stand on. Thin ground that it may be. Hip to be square from American Psycho. Nice. nice. Yep, mean, that's that's scene, that scene's incredible. Nice. Uh, Unchained, Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers. Both, sure, in Ghost, not my favorite. Mostly for Naked Gun 2 and a half. I thought that it was <laughs> absolutely, per- absolutely perfect. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yellows, oh yeah, uh, tequila from Pee Wee. I mean, yeah. that, just that oh, that's dance. a yeah. great one by the Champs. I mean, that that yeah. sequence. I mean, that that's again. Uh, 
Okay, la- last couple ones. Uh, Moby's God Moving Over the Face of the Waters. That's the, the instrumental song that's playing during the last two minutes of Heat as they clutch hands after he's, sh- yeah. after he's shot De Niro. Great, great Moby song. Um, Way to ruin anything, that scene. <laughs> yeah, anything. Uh, oh, uh, Still by the Ghetto Boys, the printer scene from Office Space. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ah, motherfucker. Okay. Oh, that, that movie, that Excellent. scene is incredible. Is that the gangster song? No, yes, that's the gangster that, song. That, as they destroy the printer. Well, that's a different one, though. They, they're, they're, they're no, not Damn It Feels Good to Be a Gangster. Right, I, lo- right. I mean, I love that song. The use of that in The use that of that song, too. Bo- both of them. Yeah. They're yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah. And Pussy and cocksuck and prankster. Exactly. Uh, so it's so good. Uh, Ready, steady, go by Paul Oakenfeld. That is the club song that is used in the club shootout scene in Collateral. Do you guys oh, remember nice. that movie? Yeah, Collateral's a good movie. That, that's it, that I rewatched that scene again today. That is used to perfection. And lastly, so what do we do? So let's dance any oh, yeah. way you want it. Damn right, by Journey and Caddyshack. Oh, yeah, good one. Great good one. one. Uh, Maddie, any honorable mentions? Uh, I this is just kind of a uh, I don't know. I, there was that the movie. Remember the movie Colors, and there's oh, a scene where like oh. Sean Penn was working out to Crumbling Down by John Mellencamp, and I'm like, what a weird choice for this like L.A. gangster cop, but somehow it fit because he's kind of like prejudiced and right. racist, and it just worked. And I was like, I had a man crush on Sean Penn at the time. I'm like, oh, I'll start lifting weights. I was like in seventh grade. <laughs> I always remember that. Um, Predator, Long Tall Sally, oh, yeah. and the helicopter yeah, with the cassette tape. Yeah. Um, almost famous, the aforementioned uh, Tiny Dancer. Tiny Dancer, and also uh, "That's the Way" by Led Zeppelin. Yeah. When they're kind of escaping on the bus, and they, he used a couple obscure Zeppelin songs like "Tangerine" and "That's the Way," kind of deeper Zeppelin acoustic cuts yep. Yep. that I for, I never think of. And then I saw that movie. I'm like, oh my god, that is a beautiful song that talks about yearning and love. So it was perfect. Um, uh, and then um, the end. This almost was my number one. I almost went this for number one, but because it's the very final scene of the movie, I felt like it's mostly a title sequence. It's a credit sequence, really. But the very last scene of Social Network, when he's sitting alone and they go into Baby, You're a Rich Man by the Beatles, yeah. I was so that moved me so much in the theater. And and Beatles songs don't get used in films. Right. I, that might have been the first one. I think, actually, Wes well, Anderson I, did Hey Jude, but it was like a orchestra version of Hey Jude I playing in the background. Well, yeah, but I, I, I had mentioned, I yeah. Sam, the whole soundtrack was Beatles songs performed by other but people. covered, right, by covered. So I'm Wasn't not sure. Wasn't come together by the Beatles in, um, your, your in Bronx pick, Tale? It's rare. Put it that way. Okay. If, if it wasn't the first, it's rare. Yeah. And hey, what movie did, what? and what movie did, I mean, we talked about this in the show. It's funny, this name is actually going to come up twice in a day since we mentioned it earlier on the FM radio. What movie did Fiona Apple cover Across the Universe for? Oh, the oh, uh, was that the Beatles? Oh, it was the Beatles movie, right? No, it wasn't. Well, uh, no, I'll, no, I'll look it up real quick. But uh, yeah, it might have been. By the way, there's some good covers on that uh, that musical too. But um, the the lyrics of that song, "How does it feel to be one of the beautiful people?" Are the, and he's just sitting there, and it's like, "Hey, you right. achieved your dreams, but now you're alone and broken, and yeah, everyone yeah. hates you." It's just yeah, a great yeah. choice. So that was that's uh, a good one. Movie. I like I like that one a lot, Maddie. Oh no. Uh, license and registration, please, sir. What's the problem, officer? Uh, well, son, lots of problems. You were, you were doing 115 miles an hour in a 35 zone. You have a blown taillight and a blown headlight. Uh, about a mile back there on the road, you ran over a whole family of deer uh, and some very cute bunnies. You appear to have several kinds of illegal explosive drugs and firearms in the back seat, not to mention. There's a 300-pound bearded man who's bound and gagged back there for some reason. What do you have to say for yourself, son? Uh, if you log on to pod617.com, you can listen to some great podcasts and produce one of your own. 
Pod617.com, huh? Okay. Have a nice day, sir. At Pod617.com, you'll find on-demand podcasts on politics, sports, music, and amazing storytelling. And Pod617.com will produce a broadcast-quality show for you to promote your business or professional service. Listen to the voices of your city and join the community. Pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Oh, you know what? I changed my mind. You're under arrest. Aw. Uh, all right, let's get into what we've been Shawshanked by this week. Shawshanked. All right, so we'll go ahead and just do the same order we did uh, for the episode. Uh, George, what were you Shawshanked by this week? Well, my buddies Maddie and Nick had one of my all-time favorite TV performers on the station this week, Colin Mockery. So I was watching clips yeah. of Whose Line Is It Anyway on yeah. YouTube. Love, love that show. Uh, green screen. Ryan Stiles is very funny. You can tell Drew Carey is just so not funny without a script in front of him. Right. These these cats, though, Wayne Brady, Ryan Stiles, Colin Mockery, uh, they know what they're doing. Brad Sherwood. So good. So funny. Such a great show. Such a great little bits to watch on YouTube. Perfect. Nick, like you keep saying, perfect little three-minute videos that you can right. watch on the train. Just entertaining little scenes, little something to just pass the time, put a smile on your face. Every episode of that show, no matter when, if you just watched it listlessly at home, like I'm too, boy, I'm too tired to change the channel, or if you made it, uh, made it appointment television, or YouTube it now with your kids, yeah, it's always funny. Scotty, it always loves funny, it. yeah, and it has made us all never take the randomest of objects in a room seriously ever since. Hundred <laughs> percent. No, so uh, thanks to these guys, I uh, I got back into Who's Line on uh, awesome. on YouTube. Awesome. It awesome. And it's, all, it's uh, still on. It's still running on oh, yeah, uh, you can regular still TV. See. And it always seems like there's a new host. Yeah. Um, all right. I got Shawshanked. I, I've been Shawshanked by Netflix <laughs> recently, uh, to be honest with you. There's two oh, shows mainly. First one is Documentary Now. Have you guys seen this? Oh, yeah. With, uh, yeah. So good. I'd never Fred even Armisen. heard of it. Yeah. Fred Armisen. Yeah. And, and, Bill and Bill Hader. And Bill Hader. Yeah. And, I'm, and I well, had Blue just, Jean Committee. I had just, yeah. Blue Jean Committee. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're from Chicago, but we sing songs about California. Well, I just so seen good. slow and easy. <laughs> George and Catalina, Catalina Breeze. On George's recommendation of Barry, uh, which uh, Bill Hader's in on HBO, which was dark. Yeah. I mean, it was it was good. I enjoyed it, but it was dark. Yeah. Uh, I saw he, he he'd done this on uh, on Netflix, so I'm I'm up to episode like three or four right now. Uh, definitely worth checking out. They're hilarious uh, little, you know. Uh, 30 minute 25 minute documentaries or whatever episodes uh, but the other one is called The End of the Fucking World or it's actually The End of the F star 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 you have told ING me world. how funny this is I need to why haven't uh, I not watched it yet but I haven't mentioned this on the show yet have I no but you told okay. me off yeah you told me just before so here's the premise there's a guy uh, a kid uh, in high school who um, thinks he's a psychopath serial killer he just he hasn't killed anybody human yet so he decides he's killed several animals, and he decides, you know what? I've got to find a girl to kill, or a human to kill. Oh my god! And he gets hit on by this girl who's a social outcast. She's new to the school, and for some reason, just decides to pick on him and hits on him. And they decide to run away together. So she is trying to, like, uh, you know, she's not trying to find love at all, and she just wants to like run away from her family. Hates her family. Her dad, stepdad's constantly hitting on her. Um, <laughs> her mother's out to lunch. And her dad, like, um, lives out on the coast somewhere. This is in, like, southern England. Right. Um, so, anyway, the two of them pair, pair up together. It, his whole thing is eventually I'm going to figure out a way to kill her, and I just want to <laughs> do this. And her thing is, you know, just wants to escape. It becomes, it goes from being a very odd, dark premise to a very fantastic kind of a love story comedy, uh, black comedy. But, anyway, check it out. End of the fucking world. It actually started as a, um, a very cheap uh, graphic novel comic. 
um, that was like an independent scene comic that was discovered in a you know back bin somewhere in England at a comic shop, and an English producer turned it into it's an American story turned it into an English right. show. So anyway, that was what I was Shawshanked by. Uh, since we last spoke uh, over the summer, I was Shawshanked intensely, probably the most intense Shawshanking I've had by any TV show all year by Killing yeah. Eve, which was put on by, and it was aired earlier this year on BBC America. Uh, Sandra O oh from Grey's Anatomy and Sideways stars as a detective, an American detective working in London, and she's trying to track down this assassin, and it turns out to be this incredibly hot lesbian who is just out of her mind, and they develop this weird attraction for each other, and it is bloody, and it is brutal, and it is unflinching, wow. and it is hilarious. I could not recommend those eight episodes enough. Couldn't get through them quick enough. That was incredible. I'm in the middle of Ozark right now. I was going to say I was being Shawshanked by it. I'm at a breaking point, though. I think the show may be a little too bleak for me now. The second season is so gray. The way they've shot it, the tones are so muted. I need to see the effing sun or I need to see an actual color. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I love the premise. I love yeah. how weird everyone is. I love how I love how sad everyone is. I love what, what a bleak portrayal it is of this area of the country. But at the same time, like, now it's almost too dour for me. Yeah. It's it, it's it's got it's a, it's, it's getting got a bit to be no a slog, doubt. and when what, a show you're binging is a slog, you're not Shawshank by it anymore. Right. Now you're, uh, what would we say? You're Kippin' Hand by it. So, put off by let it. me ask you a question, real quick. Back to the Sandra Love Sandra O show. So much. Yeah, uh, Killing was, is incredible. Was she missed cast though? Not in the fact that no, she's not. A, no, no, no. I can't not, not how good she no, is. Not in the it. fact that she's not a great actress. She is. I loved her in, in Sideways and everything else she's been in. I, I can even tolerate certain parts of horrible Grey's Anatomy when she's in there. She's a great actress. But when I think lesbian scene, she's probably the last woman I would want to oh see in a lesbian God, no, scene. No, I couldn't. Be, really, I couldn't top of my list for lesbians. Yeah. Really? No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, and of course, uh, everyone out there should get Shawshanked by uh, a new web series, uh, uh, the return of a web series that I uh, put together with my brother, who's the mastermind behind it. NFL Fan Therapy. Uh, it's on the it's on the YouTube's now. You can. Uh, Hit up the at Fitzy GFY Twitter Those or me on Ahoy Nick Stevens. Yeah. Also watch Brady back. Sunday starring me. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie? I'm trying to find that actor, Nick, from Ozark who plays the FBI agent. Was it you? Because he, no, 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 no. He is killing it. This guy's yeah, like, he's great. He's like he's a, um, so, he makes me so uneasy. He every makes time me he's so uneasy. And, 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 um, he you think he's? Of, I have no idea what you're going to do. He's like a Michael Such Shannon. A card. Yes, he reminds me of Michael it's Shannon. It's almost right? like they went and they went to, uh, they went to like if Michael Shannon was sold at Target, yes. then they went to Kohl's yes. to buy the Kohl's version of Michael. Yes, Shannon. and he's like all broken and weird and like all yeah. violently gay, so twisted, and sexually yes, twisted. Yes, and yes. He goes and visits his mother, and there's a weird scene with the mother. He, he, so he's killing it, uh, and so is Jason Bateman in that series. But uh, I got shanked with my little son, Mad Max. He said, "Daddy, I love." When people make fun of things, you know, he loves comedy and stuff. And I said, oh, my gosh. Uh, someone on TV had done something where they were criticizing a show, commenting on a show. And I said, oh, you got to watch Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, so we nice. went on Netflix. Oh, great. And MST, The Return, it's the new oh, iteration it? of it. I love it. It's great. Patton Oswalt is one of now. He's in the, uh, in the space capsule. And if you don't know what it is, Mystery Science Theater 3000 was a show created by Joel Hodgson. Hodgkin and they uh, 
they they make fun of old shitty B movies, sci-fi yeah. movies. All they, the ones that are just general uh, comedians just no, crapping but, on it. But what's the uh, term when they're just out in the open? Public domain. Public, public domain. domain. They're, public right. domain. they're terrible. Horrible. Movies. A lot of them are foreign. A lot of them are like Danish. And it came from the Aurora. There's even yeah. an Ed Wood. Uh, I think uh, one of the Ed Wood. Plan Nine. Yeah. Do, plan, yeah. Plan Nine from Outer Space. Yeah. yeah. yeah and. Uh, so it's just a blast, and we've been belly laughing over these things, and now I'm watching. And here's some of the uh, titles that you can enjoy, some of the films that they are dissecting. Reptilicus. Oh, yes. <laughs> the Beast of Hollow Mountain. The Land That Time Forgot. The Loves of Hercules, which is <laughs> disturbing. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I can't even. I, I can't it. even. Uh, and At the Earth's Core. So check oh. out MST3000. Oh, what, what a treat to be able to watch so that. Because I remember loving... Creature Double Feature, of course, oh, on yeah, Saturdays yeah. growing up, too. Uh, yes, yeah, like sci-fi, watching bad sci-fi and then getting to make fun of it and then your kid digs on that, yeah, that's great. Yeah. It's been a blast. Fantastic. Great picks. Uh, all right, guys, uh, before we sign off, uh, Nick, where can you find us? Uh, you can find us, of course, as part of the Pod 617 Network where you can find some other fantastic podcasts, including... Maddie and Ronnie LeBlanc's Monsterland podcast. Which season two. Make sure you guys stay tuned. Season two debut is going to be coming up from the Wachusett Brewery on Friday, October 19th. That's going to be a great live podcast. If you want to find us in person, make sure you are there at the Best Comedy Club in Boston, Laugh Boston, Wednesday night, October 10th at 8 p.m. as we will have our first ever Shawshanked Live. There's going to be some stand-up comedy. We're going to have our favorite mystery guest joining us. And we're going to be doing an amazing podcast that we've gotten some awesome feedback on. Movies you hate that everyone else loves. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. That is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and then on the Twitter handles, we are at the other Pats fan. I'm Uncle Buck, w, at w, Uncle Buck WAF. Uh, at Fitzy GFY and gladly part of at Maddie Nick WAF. At the Matthew Blake. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and we will see you next time. But until then, you have been Shawshank. Shawshank. Ah, fuck, Maddie!